the last word on Today FM with Matt Cooper. I'm delighted to be joined for the Culture Club today by John Spillane from Cork, who of course has been one of the most popular singers in the country for many a year. But I think now we could actually also describe him as a musical entrepreneur of sorts. John, uh, thank you for joining us on the Culture Club. And before we get into all your selections, uh, tell us about not just your new album, 100 Snow White Horses, uh, but this idea that you have of uh, being like a 21st century bard writing songs about places for pay. Yeah, about places, about communities and about festivals, Matt, and lovely to talk to you. So it's it's um, a Latter-day Bard, and I'm trying to set up the model, but uh, a lot of the punters, they're not familiar with it, so sometimes I have to commission them to commission me or come around behind them, if you know what I mean. Explain that a bit more to me. Well, you know, I mean... The idea of the bard would be that he, he you know, I would um, write a song for you, maybe for your 60th birthday or something like that, um, or the birth of your child, perhaps, or for your town or com- community, or if you won a battle. But in these days, it doesn't happen on a regular basis, so the price structure is not clear. So, um, <laughs> you know, I have to kind of, you know, use a bit of plomos. Um, I've got to introduce people to the idea and then get them to do it. And... Um, Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work in terms of the bag of gold. (laughs) Right. Well, we're going to play part of a song from a part of Cork that I would know very well, as well as you having grown up very close to it. Uh, Bishopstown. This is a song from the album 100 Snow White Horses, and I'll ask you about it once we've heard a bit of it. Oh, life seemed endless, sorrows were few, that time I was in love with you, we walked Mercy girls all dressed in blue From Wilton Gardens to Haldine And all the parks that lay between When I was king and you were queen Of Bishopstown, of Bishopstown Explain that one to me, please, John. Um, the background story. Okay, yeah. so um, I got a gig in the GAA Hall in Bishopstone, um, uh, maybe about five years ago. And um, for me, it was like a kind of returning in glory to a certain extent. I'm strictly speaking from Wilton, which merges with Bishopstone, you know. But I played. I went to school in Bishopstone, and I played football for Bishopstone. So As I was a so big night, I. big concert in the GA Hall. Got a great crowd, and a wonderful occasion. And um, then it was suggested that we do it again. And um, I said, "Oh my God! If we get, if I do it again, I said I'm going to write a song about it." And um, I wrote a song about Bishopstone, and it just came to me so easily, Matt, because I was rare there. And um, did you go to the same school as me, Colostrum Springneve? No. I didn't. I was a North Mon boy, but I played Gaelic football up to minor for Bishopstone. Ah, on the ball. 
Well, um, you know, I, I'm very familiar with the place and um, I wrote a song for the occasion and I sang it, the world premiere, at the second gig in the GAA Hall and then I tried to hit him for the money. But <laughs> that didn't work out for me, but that's okay, you know, because, you know, they didn't really ask for the song, like, you know, I mean, I, so... Um, <laughs> But um, anyway, um, it ended up on the record and people are loving it. So happy days. But I believe you've got lots of songs from all over Ireland that you're sort of doing an, a sort of a song atlas of every place in Ireland. Well, yeah, I mean, I started off writing a lot of songs about Cork and I had a song called Princess Street, like back in the 1980s. That was very popular for me. And, um, you know, I've written there's three Cork songs on this new record, but there's also a song. Um, the title track is about County Leash. There's a song about County Clare dedicated called Under That Old Clare Moon. There's a song about South Armagh and um, Mohill County Leitrim. So I'm branching out like, you know, from Cork, <laughs> Matt, you know, I'm expanding. And uh, the song Atlas will, um, you're, I have about um, 220 songs written and an opera and about two thirds of, of them have a geographical location. So, yeah, I'm going to make a song Atlas. And then it could be married together with other song atlases by other bands and writers, you know, into a song atlas of the world. Okay. And I suppose when you go on your tour, when you get back to touring, as hopefully you will at some stage when this COVID-19 pandemic is over, it'll mean when you go to various places, there will be shouts and roars, give us the local song. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a Clonmel one on this record and it's going down well. So um, it's nice, you know, um, I think I was reared with a lot of Irish songs that were about places, you know, like Lovely Leitrim, where the Shannon waters flow, uh, or um, If We Only Had old, old Ireland Over Here, or The Lonely Woods of Upton. So um, I think I've just fallen into that kind of um, geographical songwriting. Let's get to some of your choices. And why don't we start with music? And we ask each of our guests on the Culture Club to nominate the first single that they can ever remember buying. And you've picked a Gilbert O'Sullivan track. Tell us why and what it was. Uh, it's a great song, Nothing Rhymed, you know, um, by Gilbert O'Sullivan. And Gilbert O'Sullivan was huge when I was a teenager. You know, I mean, I had a Gilbert O'Sullivan jumper. Um, we had the clothes... Um, he was huge. Claire was a huge song, and nothing rhymed. Is like it's a beautiful melody, and there's a great pathos and sadness about the song. And um, yeah, you know, I still love Gilbert O'Sullivan. Let's hear a little bit of Nothing Rhymed. If I give up the sea. Saving to some elderly lady, oh man, am I being a good boy? Am I your pride and joy, mother? Please, if you please, say I am. And if while in the course of my duty, I perform an unfortunate thing, would you punish me so? So never again will I make that mistake This feeling inside me could never deny me The right to be wrong if I choose And this pleasure I get from saying Winning a bet is to lose 
Okay, Gilbert O'Sullivan, who was, I think, John, something of a superstar in the early 70s. A lot of songs like Alone Again and Claire and Get Down. And then sort of went out of favour, became distinctly uncool. But in recent years, again, people seem to appreciate what he actually had and how good he was. Uh, stunningly good. I mean, I, I think that's probably my favourite one. And it was going around. I'd say I was probably about 14 years old when I bought that um, single um, but uh, it's a f- incredible song, you know. I mean, that that would be his best one, I think. But um, love him, you know. But like so, so many artists, I think you know he went through a flowering period, and we, I have I'm not even familiar with any songs he's composed since then. What do you mean? So can there be for some artists that their best work is done early on, and that everything that they do afterwards is trying to replicate or match up to their early breakthrough music? Well, I mean, I mean that that song "Nothing Rhymes." So that was nineteen seventy whatever, you know, four nineteen seventy five or something. And um, I mean, y- you you would think that an artist would get better and better, you know, as they go through life. But with with rock and roll and pop music, it often happens that um, you know, there's a, a lot of youth, there's a lot of um, you know, generation, my generation kind of stuff, and uh, beginner's luck and luck of the draw, and um, you know, I don't know if if Gilbert O'Sullivan, for example, has ever surpassed that great single that he made in, in the mid-1970s. OK, we asked you as well for your favourite album and we also asked for a favourite band and artist and you gave us the same band responsible for all of them. But let's start with the album and it's uh, the White Album by the Beatles. Why that particular album? What are your memories of buying it? Yeah, well, I, I, I always loved the Beatles since I was a child and um, I... The first Beatles album that I fell in love with was Sgt. Pepper's. And uh, I, I would know all the songs on that, like, off by heart, I'd say. And it's the melody and the excitement of the Beatles records, you know. And um, But um, the White Album I bought, I was working, you know, I left school when I was 17 and um, I joined the bank when I was 17. But there was six months when I worked in the um, Tropical Banana Company on, this, on Oliver Plunkett Street in Cork. There was two banana companies. There was the Tropical Banana Company and the Jamaica Banana Company. And I was packing fruit. And um, I did it for six months and I really enjoyed it. And I listened to the radio all day, you know, packing the fruit. And I remember going into Roche Stores record shop and buying the White Album and bringing it home. And it's the maddest Bill, um, Beatles album. You know, there's a lot of psychedelic stuff in it. Revolution number nine and crazy stuff in it. But um, I fell in love with it, you know, especially with the song called Blackbird which I spent many hours learning on the guitar by lifting the needle up and down off the LP. But the White Album is, um, I don't know, I suppose it's a bit kind of mind expans- expanding or something, you know, it's, uh, it's very arty and wild. Let's hear a little bit of Blackbird. Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life You were only waiting For this moment to arise Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes And learn to see All your life You were only waiting for this moment to be free 
Blackbird fly, Blackbird fly into the line of a dark black night. Just thinking there, John Spillane, listening to that Blackbird from the Beatles, from the White Album, and you mentioned Sergeant Peppers as well, that I'd asked you the question about Gilbert O'Sullivan maybe doing his best work early, but did, for you, for the Beatles, did their progression, did they get better for you as they matured and maybe as they took more drugs? Oh, um, I don't know about the drugs, but um, <laughs> definitely, I mean, I think the amount of creativity of the Beatles was unbelievable. Um I mean, they started as a beat band and a rock and roll band and, you know, doing a lot of Chuck Berry and 12 Bar Blues. But I mean, they got very Liverpool later on. And I think it's the sheer imagination, you know, of of Lennon McCartney and Harrison. And indeed, um, it's just richness of melody and of um, lyrical, you know, the, the journeys that they take you on. Um, my favourite band of all time, the Beatles, the greatest Irish band of all time. <laughs> best gig you were ever at best gig I was ever at Moving Hearts in the Savoy in Cork in 1981 and Moving Hearts were like a hugely exciting band and um, at that time so, you John, know, there for, was for listeners for listeners who are not familiar with Moving Hearts just tell us about who was in the band and the different influences that were brought together to provide I think a form of music that was completely unique wasn't it yeah, well, I mean, you wouldn't call it Celtic rock. I mean, Horsehips were Celtic rock, but, but, but Moving Hearts were like uh, two members of Planksty, Christy Moore and Donald Lunny, who went electric, um, and they brought in Davy Spillane, who was a, like a lightning, like, you know, incredibly talented young piper uh, who played in the wild, open style. And they brought in um, Declan Sinner on electric guitar, Owen O'Neill on bass, um, Brian Callan on drums, um, on saxophone, it was um, the name is I know it, but I'll get it. I'll t- tell you in a second. But anyway, it was a rock, uh, rock and roll um, kind of a Christy Moorish thing. But there was a lot of um, there was hunger strikes going on at the time in the north. There was a lot of political um, turmoil. There was a lot of passions were high, and uh, moving hearts came out and they sang about what was happening in, in the North and they sang about, you know, um, no time for love when they come in the morning. They sang about uh, British soldiers on the streets of Derry. And um, so there was that, there was a very Irishness about them. Um, Christie, of course, is a powerhouse, you know, always has been. And um, they had a tune called A Storm in a T-Shirt about them, actually, it was, which was a bit of a joke, Storm <laughs> in a T-Shirt. But... Um, but oh, oh, they were a hugely exciting band. I mean, the musicianship was stunning. But at this gig in the Savoy, anyway, they would come out on the stage and they would get a rhythm vibe going, Don Lunny on the bazooki, and there'd be a kind of a jingly, jingly, you know, percussion um, um, thing going on and be building it, building it, and building it. And I remember the crowd, actually, like, there was a kind of almost a menacing, you know, intensity about it. I remember the crowd, I think backing away from the stage, you know what I mean? There was this, you know, there was this kind of a, this build-up of, of um, you know, a menacing beat, you could say, and the crowd backing away from the stage, and then all hell broke loose when Davy Splam went wild on the pipes, you know? And the Mac Brides, I think, was the opening tune, and the whole place went berserk, and it was just, I suppose, you know, I was probably 21 at the time as well, and it was an exciting time for me, and 
But that was the best um, live band I've ever seen. Well, we actually, it wouldn't be from the Savoy and Cork in 1981, but that track you mentioned, McBride's, we do have Moving Hearts playing that live. McBride's real infusion of jazz in there as well, isn't there, John? Yeah, uh, no, that I listened to it. That isn't the tune that I meant, but um, that's the way it goes, uh, Matt. You know, I was thinking of more, it was a, uh, more a lightning fast reel, but um, there was jazz in there, and um, it was. A, was it Keith Donald who played a saxophone, was it? Keith Donald on the ball. Well done, Matt. Thanks for saving me there. And um, yeah, just a, a terrific band. And I, I think that the records were brilliant as well, but the live band was extremely intense you have it in my mind now i'm going to have to go back and listen to some moving hearts haven't done so in a long time john spillan is with us for the culture club of course one of our most popular singers and musicians over the years his new album which he has just brought out is 100 snow white horses but let's move away from the music for a little while john and uh, talk about other cultural influences upon you and uh, actually let's start with movies uh, tell us about your favorite movie yeah, um, I picked um, Il Postino as my favourite movie. It's a, it's an Italian, um, it's a foreign language movie. It's Italian, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, uh, it's, a, it's a very charming story about the Chilean poet Pablo Neruda. And during the Second World War, he's on an island off the coast of Italy. And um, he has a, a relationship with the postman, who is Il Postino. And the postman knows nothing about poetry and Pablo is explaining to him what he does. And Pablo is explaining to him what a metaphor is. And Pablo asks him for a, a, an adjective to, to describe the fishermen's nets on the island. And the postman says, sad, triste, the, the nets, they're sad nets. And um, it turns out that the postman has a natural gift of poetry and, you know, becomes fascinated with um, metaphor. And it's just, it's just very, just a very lovely. Have you seen it, Matt? I haven't that I can remember and we can't play a clip of it because we can't do subtitles on the radio yeah well you know there was another movie as well about um, the kiss in the cinema the kiss in the cinema 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 paradiso cinema paradiso is a magnificent movie beautiful movie another movie that I loved but Il Il Postino and at the time that I saw it it just seemed I was very moved by it and I do love Neruda as well so um, check it out Il Postino the postman okay we'll do We'll do that. Now, we do have a clip from uh, your favourite play that you nominated for us, which is? Oh, Translations by Brian Friel. Now, why this? Why have you selected this? Well, I mean, Brian Friel is brilliant, you know, and I, I've seen, a, you know, Dancing at Lunas, uh, the movie and all that, but I saw the play um, 
of translations, but it was the device he used that it's a load of English soldiers who have no Irish whatsoever talking to a load of people who have no English whatsoever, but they're both talking English. But we as an audience, we, we are led to believe that they don't understand each other. Like, it's the, it's, it's the pretense, you know, that, you, that, that, that drama does to you, you know, that, like, somebody, like somebody puts on a pair, pair of horns and they're a bull. You know, we, we go, how you go along with it. You know, you probably know the term of it better than me since you went to the Nortman, Matt. Um, <laughs> is it, um, you know, you, you suspend your disbelief. Yes. All right, well, yes. let's actually hear, let's hear a little bit from uh, the Gate Theatre production of Translations from 1980. Because if you could understand me, I could tell you how I spend my days either thinking of you or gazing up at your house in the hope that you'll appear even for a second. Every evening you walk by yourself along the Trawan, and every morning you wash yourself in front of your tent. I would tell you how beautiful you are. Curly-headed Myra, I would so like to tell you how beautiful you are. Your arms are long and thin, and the skin on your shoulders is very white. I would tell you. Don't stop. I know what you're saying. I would tell you how I want to be here, to live here, Always. With you. Always. 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 What is that word? Always. Yes. Yes. Always. You're trembling. Yes, I'm trembling because of you. I'm trembling too. Okay, Translations by Brian Friel from 1980. Uh, nominate a favourite book or author for us, please, John. Um, the favorite, oh yeah, the white, the white goddess. I just I forgot my answer <laughs> there for a second. That <laughs> uh, the white goddess by Robert Graves. Um, it's a book that I've read twice, and I, I'm going to have to read it again. It's fairly Why? unreadable, What's it about? but um, it's about mythology and it's about um poetry. And so Robert Graves is an English poet. Also, he wrote I Claudius, those set of novels that were televised at one stage, and he wrote like books of on mythology, like the favor the Faber book of Greek mythology is by Robert Graves. He wrote a lot of crazy novels as well. But The White Goddess is his um, theory of poetry. So the theory is this, Matt, that, um, you know, Christianity and all that, like um, being a recent development, that before that it was all about the goddess. And um, the goddess had two sons, and one is born at midwinter, and he, he gets brighter and shinier, um, and he gets cut down by his evil twin at midsummer, and the evil twin um, continues on for the second six months of the year. Do you get me? Like I do. The first six months and the second six months and the goddess above. That's the old model of religion. No, like Christianity falls into that as well. Jesus born at Christmas and all that kind of crack. And um, anyway, he says that the white goddess is the old religion. And he says that what makes Ireland different from the other countries of the world is that we had professional bardic schools here from the 12th to the 17th centuries, a whole cast of bards. And... Um, that's why we're a very poetic nation and also that the reverence for the pre-Christian religion in the form of the goddess survived here in Ireland um, in the form of the worship of the Our Lady. And that's why we have the moving statues and the reverence for the, um, the Virgin Mary here in Ireland, that it's pagan. So this is Robert Graves' theory. But anyway, he says when a piece of art spooks you out, like if you see, if you, see, if you hear a beautiful aria or you hear a slow air, or you see a, an amazing painting and you feel 
the hair is tingling on the back of your neck or you get goosebumps. It's because um, true art is an actual invocation of the white goddess and her presence is near. And that's why you're freaked out, because she's near, because she's quite scary. She's the mother of all being. And that's the white goddess. It really stuck with you clearly. Well, what do you think of the theory? I don't know. I'd have to do a bit more reading into it. Yeah, well, check it out. I mean, it's a fairly esoteric book, but um, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. It's uh, I find it fairly fascinating, and um, I'd I'd nearly want the third read of it to fully, you know, take it on board myself. Okay. Listen, I'm going to jump on to podcast uh, because uh, you've gone for Blind Boys podcasts. Uh, why so? Uh, I, I, well, I did one of them myself in, at the Clonakilty International Guitar Festival um, last September, 12 months. And I met Blind Boy and I did a podcast with him. And like the atmosphere was electric in the, in the industrial hall in Clonakilty for Blind Boy. He has this aura. He has this vibe. And um, since then, I've been watching, following his podcasts, and uh, he's been doing a lot of silly stuff, um, composing on-the-cuff songs about computer games. And um, I just find him very um, intelligent and uh, entertaining. Let's hear a little bit from one of his podcasts where he talks about petrol station crows. Now, I could do a podcast on petrol station crows because our rooks and ravens, because that is a... That's an interesting phenomenon there, and it's something I should have touched on with the chicken fillet roll. You know, in my lifetime, I have seen crows change in their appearance and behavior because Irish people have started treating petrol stations as restaurants. I've seen this happen. And crows as well, you know, they have historical significance within Irish culture. You think of the Morrigan, which is an an ancient mythical Irish crow going back like 4,000 years. Crows represent kind of prophecy or war or fate within Irish culture. And now they're just, now they just eat sausage rolls at petrol stations like we do. <laughs> John, I can see why you go for Blind Boy. Yeah, he's quite deep, isn't he? <laughs> and funny. Yeah. All right. Television. Uh, tell us, please, about... We always ask people as much as what they watch now. What do they watch as a young fella growing up? What's your choice? Um, Tarzan. Um, I, I always loved Tarzan when I was a boy. And uh, he was on once a week, I'd say. And um, I don't know, it was Johnny Weissmuller and Jane and all them. And they were at, they were at Victoria Falls, of course. And um, I was mad for climbing trees and tree houses and camps when I was young. And... Um, so I could watch Tarzan and I could head down into the quarry and I could be climbing trees and swinging off ropes and um, being playing Tarzan. Like it was <laughs> regular for us. You know, you would play like the television would whatever was on the television, you would run out and you would play the television. Like so. So if you were watching a hurling match, you'd run out and you'd play hurling. If you were watching Tarzan, you'd run out and you'd climb the trees. That kind of thing, Matt. Which brings us to your adult choice. So hopefully you haven't got out and done role playing on your favorite TV show of The Sopranos. The Sopranos, yeah. I mean, I I, I enjoy The Sopranos. It was, it's a fascination with gangsters, I suppose, you know. But um, when it was on, when it was really on, I didn't see it, you know, every week. I saw bits and pieces. So lately, I've been binge-watching um, The Sopranos. And um, I don't know, I, I just think that maybe it's just great acting and uh, crazy storylines. And 
you know, it's nice to watch kind of mindless stuff on telly anyway. Let's hear a little bit from The Sopranos when Christopher is confronted by friends and family over his drugs habit. Christopher, this won't be easy for any of us. But I want you to know that we're here today because we care about you. What was this, your idea? All we ask is that you listen. Adriana, you want to be in? Christopher, I love you very much. My only dream is that we have a happy life together. The last few months, things have got very bad with us because of you using drugs all the time. You're high all the time and I can't take it. Be specific, hon. When we first started going out, we made love all the time. Now, because of the drugs, you can no longer function as a man. Last week, when I came home to learn that you had killed our dog, that was the final straw. Oh. You killed the dog? What'd you do that for? It was an accident. Oh, what was it, barking? He sat on the only side. Oh, Jesus Christ. I fell asleep. She got suffocated or something. Are you done, Adriana? No. Silvia. You killed little Cosette. I ought to suffocate you, you little prick. Tony, we're going in order. Silvia? When I came in to open up one morning, there you were with your head half in the toilet. Your hair was in the toilet water. Disgusting. I told you I had the flu. I said my piece, Chrissy. Great. I can't even defend myself now. Oh, what brilliant stuff. Of course, isn't it typical as well? Tony Soprano get more worried about a dog being killed by any of the people that were killed on a regular basis in the program. Yeah, crazy stuff. Brilliant stuff, though. Great choice. John Spillane, listen, thank you very much for taking the time to join us here on The Last Word of Today FM for the Culture Club. Thank you very much for all your choices. And I know there's going to be an enormous amount of interest in 100 Snow White Horses, your new album. John, thank you very much for joining us here on the programme. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Listen live on air from 4.30 weekdays on Today FM.